Jesus was the master teacher. Amen? Amen. Now, Jesus was talking, and in Sabbath school, we spoke about Jesus speaking with great authority. Amen? Now, when he spoke with great authority, it was not he was invoking divine power on the message. Yes, it came with power of the Holy Spirit. But what Jesus did, while his teaching was so effective, he took principles of the kingdom of God, and what he did, he illustrated it using experiences in, 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 in the life of, of, of people on a daily basis. Amen? So he spoke in parables. So he spoke about the sower went forth to sow. Amen? Now that was an agrarian economy. These people that they did agriculture. So they understood what it meant, what? To plant a crop. Okay, to see the crop grow. To see the crop ripen. And then to see the harvest. Amen? And so that is the proclamation of the gospel. And then as he was speaking, and he was at the Sea of Galilee, he talked about this: the kingdom of God is like a dragnet. Well, the people understood what a dragnet was. You know, the fishermen took it in the ship, went out, they cast it in the waters, then they went back to shore, and they pulled it to shore, and what came with it? A catch. That's the proclamation of the message. And it is going to capture so many, the good, the bad, and the indifferent. Amen? And then, so that was the fishing industry. So he talked about the agricultural industry. And then he talked about the fishing industry. And then he talked about the food industry. He talked about the kingdom of God is like leaven that is placed into a little meal. Amen? So today the message is going to be centered among a, a, an industry sector that you are well, you know quite well. You've lived it. You've lived through it. Many have retired from it. But still, you do some work in it. Amen? So today the message is full-time employment. Full-time employment offered with benefits guaranteed. Amen? Now I want to see some smiles. Because today we are in a world where people are talking about unemployment. Now the Christian Adventist should never be unemployed. You see, the, the statistics of the labor market, we will be talking about our labor market today and its relevance to the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Now, church, wake up. Wake up. This is, this is a very important message. Right. Amen? We're going to talk about the labor market. Now, I'm an economist by training. And so the labor market is very important to the economist and to the politician. You see, if there's high unemployment, the politician runs the fear of not getting reelected. If there's high unemployment then the economist looks in bad favor. So, the, so what happens is that if you have a high unemployment in the economy, the economy can't go forward. They're not producing goods and services for the consumer. And much of which is produced, a large part of it is wasted because unemployed people can't buy stuff. Amen? So the message today about full employment offered with benefits guaranteed, is going to point us to the labor market to do with the kingdom of God. Amen? So let's open up our Bible study. We, thank you for the, um, Dave for reading the scripture reading this morning. So this is the foundation. And in, and, but we, we, we will be looking at a passage in the book of Luke today. And then we're going to tie it with what Dave said earlier in the book of Matthew. Amen? Amen. Oh, so what? So we will be looking at the book of Luke and what industry sector are we looking at today? The labor market. So let us go to the book of Luke. And in the book of Matthew, before I go to the book of Luke, it is a case where it is a market transaction. 
This landowner, he has a crop. Now, it didn't say that he was planting or he was, it was growing season or it was harvest season. It's that he went into the marketplace to look for workers. And so he went out in the first watch of the day. That was 6 o'clock in the morning. Then he went at the second watch of the day at 9 o'clock. Then he went out at the third watch of the day, and that was 12 o'clock. And then he went out at the fourth watch of the day, that was 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And then it comes one hour before quitting time, and he goes back in the marketplace, the labor market. You see, because there's work to be done. There must be a crop to be pulled in. And for us who do a little bit of gardening, if you are not a farmer, but you had a little vegetable plot, you know that there is a time when the crop is ripe, you've got to get it in. Amen? Because if you don't get it in at that time, what happens to the crop? It spoils. It's the same thing with the salvation of souls. It's that if we don't get out there and bring people to Christ, many go to a Christless grave. There is no harvest for the kingdom of God. So let us take a look at the book of Luke. And we're studying the book of Luke this, this quarter. And I was thinking, you know, I need a sermon from the book of Luke for today. Because the quarterly is quite good, but it can't encapsulate everything. So let us go to the book of Luke chapter 10. And we'll take a look at verses 1 to 3. Now when you have it, say amen. Can you put it on the screen for us, please? Luke chapter 10, 1 to 3. Okay? And I want us to take a look at the labor market today. Amen? Okay, that's part of the economy. That is part of the kingdom of God. It says, it says, after these things. So now, after these things, what it implies is that Jesus said something earlier on that what he's going to say now follows from that. Amen? You with me? It says, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. So that's an evangelistic effort. Christ is going to be visiting these places. He's going to be doing evangelism in these places. But he's preparing the soil. Amen? So he's sending these people out, these 70 out, two by two, to prepare the way for his coming to that area. Then he said to them, I want us to look at these verse, this verse very qu uh, closely. He says, the harvest truly is great. He adds a conjunction. He says, but the laborers are few. He says, therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for this divinely inspired word. Thank you for awakening our conscience, dear God, to the need of laborers in your vineyard. As we unpack this passage of scripture we invite your holy spirit to come and attend to it hide me behind the cross dear god let christ be lifted at us father let our hearts burn within us after we hear this message father that we can go and tell others about the soon coming of jesus christ kindly forgive us of our sins cleanse us from all unrighteousness in the name of jesus christ we ask these things amen amen so after these things jesus is sending out 70 disciples. For quite a while in my Bible study, I was trying to understand the mission of Christ. I was trying to understand, get into perspective. We read in the Bible that when he began his ministry, 
He went from the wilderness of temptation and then he went to Galilee. Now that does not mean a whole lot to me. Because if somebody, if I never knew where Belleville was and somebody said to me in Oshawa that he traveled to Belleville, I have no idea of the distance he traveled. So it was two weeks ago, I found a beautiful map of Palestine. A beautiful map. And on that map is every location Jesus traveled. And for the first time in 12 years, no, in 15 years, I came to understand the ministry of Jesus. When he said he went to Nazareth in the north, that was a very long way from where Jerusalem was. It is very much like saying he started in Sault Ste. Marie and he's working his way down to Belleville on foot. When I saw where Capernaum was on the north side of the Sea of Galilee, and he went and he traveled to Samaria where he visited the widow of Nain, I thought, man, that would have taken several days to do. When I saw that he went from Bethsaida around the Sea of Galilee to the north to Gardara where he met the, the man that was possessed with the demons that lived in the tomb, he walked a great distance. So Christ's life was not just a torture at the cross. It was a torturous journey throughout his ministry. In the heat of Palestine, traveling along very treacherous roads, Christ just did not pay the price for our sins, but he lived a life so that you and I could be free from sin. And so Christ is sending out these 70 disciples. Now earlier, if we take a look at the book of Luke chapter 9, he had already sent out the 12. And he had sent them out on a specific mission. And he gave them the authority to be able to overcome the temptations that surround them. They would be able to tread on dangerous snakes. They would be able to cast out demons. And he's preparing men and women to be workers in the vineyard for the Lord. Now, as we look at the passage of Scripture, being an evangelist, with having an evangelistic mind, I was able to break down the passage of Scripture in the following way. Number one, cultivating the soil. That is the work the Belleville Seventh Adventist Church has to do in the community. That is community outreach. He says, go to the cities and conduct labor, house to house. Number one. Number two, he says, cultivating the soul. That is spiritual revival. He says, pray. We need workers. Pray, he said. The third, he says, planting the seed. That is personal evangelism. He says, go and preach the message. The kingdom of God is near to you. He didn't say to preach it in the church. He says, preach it out there in the cities. He says, cultivating for harvest. As they went about and they, 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 they conducted the missionary exercise, they saw that they had the authority over the demons. Miracles were performed. The harvest began to ripen. You see, all of those good things can take place. But unless Christ, the, the salvation of Christ enters the heart, the person is still lost. So the 70 was preparing for the evangelistic meetings when Christ came to preach so that men and women could be saved in the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. 
Then he talks about harvesting. In verse 20, he says what? He says, rejoice, for your names are written in heaven. Amen? That's the ultimate harvest. And then lastly, nurturing and discipleship. So in that passage of scripture, he talks about evangelism, the evangelistic effort. But what he's saying is that there are not enough men and women to go out and carry the evangelistic method. So he says what? Pray. But he says two important observations. He says, one, the harvest truly is great. That's an expression of joy. He can see. You see, when Christ was sending out the 70, we're not exactly sure in scripture where he was and where he was sending them. The best guess is that he was around the area of Samaria and he was sending them out into Gentile country. But it doesn't matter where they were going. But they were going to seek and save that which was lost. Okay? But there was this great disappointment. He says, but the laborers are few. So here is joy. He foresees a bountiful harvest, but there is disappointment. He says, what? He says, the, but he says the, tr the harvest is great, but we can lose some of the harvest because we don't have enough laborers. You see, around us, church, in the places of work, on the bus, in the doctor's office, wherever we find ourselves at the grocery store, there are souls that are lost that need to be saved. The good Samaritan was on his own private mission. He was not out looking for souls that day, now was he? But on his journey, what did he do? He stopped. He stopped. He saw someone who was wounded, had compassion on him, bounded his wounds, put him on his animal, took him to the inn, made sure he was taken care of, and on his return, he was willing to pay for anything more it cost for his, this man's care. Amen? So there's joy in heaven. The harvest is truly plentiful. But there's sorrow in heaven. Not enough laboring laborers. It's not that there are not laborers. If you look at it in the Greek, there are laborers. It's just there are not enough working laborers. Means the church is idle. I'm not standing in judgment or condemnation. I am at my house in Whitby, and occasionally there is a knock on the door. And there are two Jehovah Witnesses trying to convince me and convert me to the, go to the gospel of salvation. Several years ago, I saw some Jehovah Witnesses and I wanted to attract their attention. And so I looked at them. They were coming down the street and I followed them and they got into this vehicle and I drove up and I stopped alongside them. And I says, I would like to have one of your Bibles. So they said, well, you can come to the Kingdom Hall and get a Bible. So I says, where is the Kingdom Hall? I asked. They said, just follow us. And the Kingdom Hall was only about 10 minutes away. And while somebody went into the kingdom hall to retrieve the Bible for me, I engaged two women in conversation. And we were talking about the work. And I asked them, I said, you know, how much time do you put into this? And she said, between my partner and I, we put in 70 hours a week. Now, 70 hours, yes, between the two of them, 70 hours a week. Now, that's full-time now, isn't it? Between the two of them, so that is 35 hours each. 
Okay? Now that involves Bible prayer, uh, sorry, Bible study, fellowship, knocking on doors. What are they looking for? Do they have a message that is better than ours? Why aren't we excited about the message as they are? Because they believe. They believe. The most difficult thing to do is to change the mind of a Jehovah Witness. I have spent time with them. Some have fled from me. They must have seen me as the devil. But they have an enthusiasm for the message. And so now, so what is the issue? Remember, let us go back to the verse again. Luke chapter 10. Remember that Jesus said in, in, in the passage, so if it is harvest time, it means that this is summer. Okay? So in Luke chapter 10, he starts off with, it says, after these things. So what are these things? Why aren't there enough laboring laborers? Well, Jesus actually had answered that question before in Luke chapter 9. Let us take a look at verses 57 to 58. Luke 9, 57 to 58. It says, it reads, Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, now that's a follower of Christ, a disciple. He says, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. You see the commitment? Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Look at Jesus' response. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests. He says, But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He's speaking to us. You see, to be a follower of Christ, we cannot indulge in the modern conveniences of life that makes us too comfortable. You see, this man had a good heart. He wanted to follow Jesus. But Jesus had to make him to understand, I don't have the modern conveniences of what you possess. If you're going to come and follow me, he says, what you have to do is you have to give up the treasured things of this life and seek the things that are unpalatable if you're going to be a follower of mine. True story. Good friend, husband and wife, good friends of ours. They came into the church in 2007. When they came into the church, they were both in their 60s already. The husband had grown up, he was from the Caribbean, he had grown up with an aunt who was a Seventh-day Adventist, but he never followed the Seventh-day Adventist faith when he grew up. His wife was a Baptist, was very aware of the Seventh-day Adventist church, visited it a few times on community services day, but she was never a Seventh-day Adventist. Her husband's sister came to live with them. They took her in. She was a Seventh-day Adventist. She was dying of cancer. And when she came, she asked if they can find a seven. She was not from the area. If they can find a Seventh-day Adventist minister to witness to her needs. So they knew of a Seventh-day Adventist minister and they called him up. So he came and he ministered to her needs during her illness. And it was February of that year. I think it was, if I'm correct, I think it was February of 2006, I think it was. It was minus something below zero. It is after midnight with tons of snow on the ground. This woman, this ill woman is in pain, crying out for a Seventh-day Adventist minister. They looked at the clock. It was two o'clock in the morning. And the wife thought, who can we call? So she thought of the minister who had witnessed to them. 
and she called him. He arrived at their house at 3 o'clock in the morning, church, and the snow on the ground was not yet plowed. I can't remember the temperature. I think she said it was 15 below or something. It was enormously cold. He ministered to their needs and the woman died at 6 o'clock. So he was there from 3 a.m. in the morning till 6 a.m. And he stayed another hour witnessing to the bereaved. And there are seven Adventists today because the wife said after that minister left, after that seven Adventist minister left, she wanted to belong to a church where a minister cares so much. We can't think of the temperature of the day. We can't think about the snow on the outside. We just have to commit ourselves to the work of the Lord. And he's going to take us there. Number one. Many want to come, but they're not willing to give up the modern conveniences of, the, of, the, of this world. As a result, there is a shortage of labor. Working in the vineyard for the Lord. Let's take a look at the next verse. It says... In verse um, 59 and 60. Then he said to another. Now Jesus is calling someone. He says, follow me. But he said, that's the one who was called. Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. Now those sound like very harsh words. But Jesus was not going against the Levitical law. He says, honor, in the commandments it says what? Honor your father and your mother. And his son had the responsibility of burying his father. But what Jesus is saying, while you are, while you are spiritually alive, preach the kingdom of God and forget the dead works. Amen? Amen? Let the dead bury its dead. So often we get caught up in the church today over things that are not essential for salvation. We focus on things, you know, the, the, the little things that can annoy. And the central message of the, of, of the gospel that Jesus saves, we forget to practice it. He says, forget the dead works. Let the be dead bury that dead. Let's take a look at the third reason. Verses 61 and 62. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you. But let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. He says, Don't let family relations stand in your place. Now that's very opposite to the experience of Elisha. Because when Elisha called Elisha, what did Elisha do? Remember, Elisha was working in the field. Elisha cut up his whatever he was working with. Then he went, bid farewell to his family, and then he joined the ministry. But Christ is saying to this one, he says, what? He says, he says, no one having put his hand to the plow. He was already in the ministry. He was already committed to the work. So he is saying, we don't have time. There is not enough time. He says, look, the harvest truly is great. We don't have time to go back in to spend time with the family to have a dinner. We've got a crop to bring in. Shortage. Shortage of labor in the marketplace. There is a lady I met in 2009. I was in Grass Valley, California. She was in her 80s. And on a Sabbath day, she and I, we were conversing. 
and she told me her life experiences. She was married at 21, and at 23, her husband, he, had, um, he was diagnosed with polio, and he became paralyzed from the waist down, the effect of the polio. So they, lived, they were living in Texas, and after several years of living in Texas, she decided to move to California. And they found a house in California, and on her heart, she wanted to do ministry for the Lord. But with a husband in a wheelchair, it was not very realistic for her. And so she said that the house that they bought in Grass Valley, California, had a beautiful dining room to it. So she went out, and she bought herself a lovely dining room set. And she put it in the dining room. And she, every Sabbath when she went to church, she would look in the congregation for visitors and invite them to lunch at her house on the Sabbath day. She said she would look at the congregation. She would hear of husbands and wives that were splitting up. And she would invite them to lunch to her house. And she said to me, Glendon, I look at the congregation today. And I can see so many souls, men and women who are separating from the marriages, are together praising the Lord as husband and wife. She says, I can see men and women who came here as visitors that are members of the Grass Valley Seventh-day Adventist Church. So she had an issue. There was a family issue. You see, God is not asking us to do big things. God is just asking us to do little things. The little things that we do for the community, that we do for each other in the church, we help save a soul. Amen? So therefore, what is, let's go to the book of Luke chapter 9. Let's take a look at verses 23 to 25. Luke 9, 23. When we commit ourselves to Christ, he says, Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will, what? Save it. It says, for, for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? You see, Christ is calling us to look around us and see the harvest. Christ was at the well of Sychar and he's talking to the Samaritan woman. The disciples went out to get food and they came back and found him talking to this Samaritan woman. Let's take a look at the story. You see, because that the, the, the harvest is truly great. It's right here. It is now. Let's take a look at John. I want us to take a look at the story here a bit. John chapter 4. We've got time. It's only noon. Sunsets at 9. We've got time. John 4. Okay, John 4. Let's take a look at the story here, okay? We'll start at verse 33. John chapter 4, we'll start at verse 33. Okay? So remember, they went to get food because Christ was hungry. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He says, Do you not say... He says, do you not say, there are still four months and then comes the harvest? He says, behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. The harvest truly is great, but we are not seeing it. You see, we are so busy. Look, I'm not condemning you. It happens to me sometimes too. 
that God gives me an opportunity to witness to someone and I'm so caught up in my business trying to get a client, a client that I forget to witness to the person. Amen? So I'm not condemning you. I'm trying to tell you we all fall into the same boat. We're all the same fish. We're all in the same net. So as we see the summer approaching, open up our eyes, Lord. Open up our eyes that we may see the harvest. Amen? Therefore, so therefore, how do we get this full-time employment? Number one, he says, let's go back to Luke chapter 10. He says, Luke chapter 10. Let's go to, to it. It says, what? It says, verse 2, he says, Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. He says, Therefore, what? Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, the correct translation in the Greek means, Lord, send me out as a laborer in the harvest field. Amen? Amen. So what we're to do is what? To pray that God make us laboring laborers, working laborers, not idle laborers. But how do we do it? Ellen G. White gives us an example. She says, Consecrate yourself to God in the morning. Make this your very first work. She says, Let your prayer be, Take me, O Lord, as holy thine. I lay all my plans at thy feet. Use me today in thy service. Abide with me, and let all my work be wrought in thee. This is a daily matter. Each morning... Consecrate yourself to God for that day. Now I want us to catch this sentence. She says, Surrender all your plans to Him to be carried out or given up as His providence shall indicate. So the example is the Good Samaritan. We are busy. We, we have our life to live. We've got family. We've got social relationships. We've got church life. But in the course of doing those things, all of these good things, she says, surrender these plans to God daily and have him work in us so that we can accomplish something in the vineyard for the Lord. Amen? Amen. Remember the apostle Paul was what? He was a tent maker. Yet he was a great apostle, a great preacher, a great teacher. So what, what he's saying to us is not give up the work that we have and commit to ourselves full time to the job. Some of us can do that. But what he's saying that we can actively and be engaged in working in the vineyard for the Lord by opening up our eyes wherever we go, we find ourselves to see the harvest. Amen? She says, she said, thus, day by day, you may be given your life into the hands of God, and thus your life will be molded more and more after the life of Christ. So that in his ministry, he took time off to teach and to preach. He took time off to pray. He took time off to rest. But in the course of, as he went about day to day, he was looking for the opportunities. The Bible says, whole villages and cities were healed. Amen? See, God is not asking us to convert anyone. God just asks us to plant the seed. That's all he wants us to do. Because he says, when the spirit of truth has come, it is going to convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So while the Holy Spirit is pleading on the hearts of men and women, we don't know who they are, 
God is just going to use us as the instrument whereby we can bring them to Christ. Amen? Okay? So therefore, our work is a, is a, is a living daily experience. So now, there are guaranteed benefits to be had. Guaranteed benefits. So A number one, there is work for every one of us. Amen? There is a harvest that we've got to bring in. That harvest is for the kingdom of God. Now, let us go back to John 4.36. Um, we'll take a look at the benefit. John chapter 4. Now, in the case of the 70, he said what? He says, rejoice because what? Your name is written in heaven. So number one, the great blessing, the great reward is our names are written in the book of life. Amen? Now, let us take a look at verse 36. He says, And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. What he's saying, this work is a complementary work. Some is called to do the planting or the sowing. Some is called to, do, to work as the, the, the crop grows, to, to prune the field. Some is going to be called during the ripening season. Some is going to be called during what? The harvesting season. Know that what the work that you do could either be the harvest, it could be the planting, it could be the growing, or it could be the ripening. Amen? Amen. Several years ago, I did a Bible study with a woman that would not accept the faith. And she went to the U.S., and she was in the U.S. for a while, but she stayed in contact with my wife and I. And it was in 2009... While living in the U.S., she called my house. She called our house. And so she asked that I call her. I was away at the time. So when I came back, I called her. So she said to me she was, while in the U.S., she came in one afternoon and she saw this program. And she said, the person on the program walked her through 1,000 years in heaven. And she said that made so much sense to her. So she wanted, So every afternoon when she came in, she said she would look at the program. And the times when she was not... Uh, uh, able to look at the program she would have it taped so she wanted to know if those people were Seventh-day Adventists so I says well you know what station it was and she said it was 3ABN so I said what do you think she says I think they were Seventh-day Adventists shortly after that she was baptized into the Seventh-day Adventist faith amen we did what the planting the spirit of God did the nourishing 3ABN ripened the fruit that a harvest was born for the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen? So therefore, let's take a look at Matthew chapter 20, verse 8 now. Matthew chapter 20, verse 8. Now, it says, so that was, that was the, the, the passage of scripture that was read earlier. She says, So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. Amen? That wage is eternal salvation. Ellen G. White, Great Controversy, page 379, she says, With unutterable love, Jesus welcomes his faithful ones to the joy of their Lord. The Savior's joy is seen in the kingdom of glory, the souls that have been saved by his agony and humiliation. Now, listen to this. She says, So Christ is seen in the kingdom, those who have been worn through what? His agony and his humiliation. Then she continues, and the redeemed, that's you and I, will be sharers in his joy. As they behold, that, that is, as we see among the blessed, 
Those who have been won to Christ through their prayers, through our prayers, men and women are being won and they're, they're receiving their salvation. So it says, through their prayers, their labors and their love and sacrifice. As they gather about the great white throne, gladness unspeakable will fill their hearts when they behold those whom they have won for Christ and see that one has gained others and these still others all brought into the heaven of rest there to lay the crowns at Jesus' feet and praise him through the endless age, through the endless cycles of eternity. Amen? What a picture Ellen G. White presents. Standing before the throne of God, you and I would get to recognize men and women that have been won to Christ through our prayers, through our service, and she says what? Through our self-sacrifice, church. Truly, the harvest is plentiful. Let us say that there is now full employment. Amen? May God continue to richly bless you.